Would you give it up for an amazing summer here in Sugar wow. Hill? It's been, been so much going on. Incredible. Uh, there's so many highlights, and I'm grateful for people like Parker that put together clips like that. But there's one other highlight that I think we ought to mention today. I, we probably should. So uh, as of Friday afternoon, at what time? Approximately 3.35. Not that you were counting. Not that I was refreshing my phone every yeah, couple yeah. seconds. Uh, this church became debt-free for the first time in 50 years. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So if, if you're new around here, a little context, because you're thinking, what's the big deal about being debt-free? I mean, well, uh, so 11 years ago when I got here, uh, our debt was a little over $8.2 million, and it was strangling us. I mean, my, my first few years... Jenny can tell you, I quit every other day. Hmm. I mean, it was brutal. Um, we, we didn't know whether we were going to make payroll. Um, we, we were looking at laying people off. I mean, there were so many mission opportunities we, we just couldn't do. And what's interesting, in the in this history of our church, there's always been a group of people that would uh, just lay, you know, normal church members. Yeah. That when they knew times were tough, they would gather together and like, say, Like, there were times we back the in bills? the 70s where... Uh, uh, we, they would have a cluster of like 15 or 20 people and they would literally take the bills and sort them out and they would help pay them, yeah. you know. And uh, what y'all may not know, remember, is that Sugar Hill uh, years and years ago was one of the poor communities in our county. And uh, Sugar Hill was, I mean, it was a tiny church. Mm-hmm. And um, over the course of time, God has done some amazing things through the life of this church. But I mean, it would have never been here had it not been for a group of people 136 years ago that said, let's, let's start a church in Sugar Hill, Georgia. Yep. And I'm so grateful that we have the privilege of just building on their shoulders and continuing to see God do some amazing things. Amazing. But, but I, really, I, I really can remember early on sitting with the pastor search team that was crazy enough to let me be uh, the pastor here and talking. I was talking with Bradley Robertson between services, and, uh, uh, I, and I, the, I just thinking to myself, saying one of the things we're going to do before I'm done is get out of debt. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm, when you see 11 years of prayer and see God fulfill those, right. you're just amazed at the goodness of God yeah. and the faithfulness of God. Yeah. And when Bobby sent me the text the other day that said, we're done, we got it. We're, I mean, zero. Like literally when you look uh, online at our accounts, you don't even see the, the account for debt anymore. It's like gone. I mean, it's like, that is a beautiful sight, y'all. That is just so good. a beautiful sight. And um, so one of the things, I, I've, had, I've had several people say, you know, Pastor, I've heard you over the years say, you know, one of the things you felt like God had you here to do was to get us out of debt. Are, are you going to retire? I'm like, are you kidding? I mean, we're just now getting started now. I mean, let's yeah. do something, you yeah. know? Let's do it. So uh, I, feel, I feel like our next 11 years, we're going to kick it up a notch. And uh, I will say, Bobby, one thing that I know people ask you, because you manage all the money, is, uh, well, now that, like, we've gotten the Imagine Zero part of Imagine Zero, Imagine More done, should we keep giving? So let me just go ahead and answer that for you. Well, yeah, of course you should. I mean, we've got... I know you're shocked a pastor would say that, right? I know, because now it's the Imagine More part. Now it's the fun part, right? Bobby's favorite phrase, and I love this, when we plan and talk, is that all of that stuff about getting to Imagine Zero is about these two words, so that, yeah, and then so that. And the so that for us is not so we can build edifices, 
but so that we can reach people, so that we can serve people, so we can care for people. That we, this is about mission and ministry, not about building bell towers. Are you with me? Because, listen, every church in the world can build stuff. Yeah. I believe God's purpose is about people, the redemption yeah. of mankind. Yeah. I want to chase after what God's after, don't you? Yeah. So let's get after that. So whatever, let's don't stop now. We're just, we just hit this milestone. Now let's just shift it into overdrive and kick it and go. Because I, I, I've never been more excited about our future in my life. Are y'all ready now, right? I'm like, I mean, come let's on, let's do, do this. It. You know? I want to encourage. Yeah, go ahead. Um, I want to say a, a couple of things here. One is, if you've never been across the street to downtown Sugar Hill, uh, if you're looking at the apartment buildings called the local, sort of down to the left from that sign, there is a Sugar Hill Museum. Yeah. And uh, during the week, you can pop in there, and there's a whole section that's just Sugar Hill Church. Yeah. And so for 130-plus years, there's always been a group of people in this community, even before the com- community was officially a that's town right. or a yeah, city. Yeah, this church is older than the city. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's always been a people that have believed that God wanted to build his kingdom even here as yeah. it is in heaven. So I want to say that. And then two, just we want to say over and over again, thank you for yeah. your generosity. Absolutely. Uh, across the country, there are a lot of churches that honestly are struggling. And that's not just preacher talk. There's a lot of churches that are super struggling. And you guys have been so generous. Imagine Zero, Imagine More was always about two pieces. One was if our people together could raise about $2.5 million above and beyond our normal giving. Meaning, we still have kids ministry, student ministry to fund. We still have BBS. We still have light bills. And so we can't quit that stuff. But if we could, over three years of time, raise about $2.5 million, you guys did that. We're going to celebrate that officially here in a couple months. And then the second piece was to to sell this land. And the question wasn't, are we going to get to zero? But how fast could we do it so that we could say yes to even more. So thank you for your part. Somebody asked me, Tommy Henry asked me before the first service, he said, well, did our people follow through with our part of it? And the answer is absolutely. You guys gave a little over two and a half million dollars during that emphasis. And many of you are saying, hey, we don't want to stop. We want to do the more part of that. And so if that's you, thank you. I know a lot of you have given online already. Uh, Some of y'all given the boxes in the room. But if you haven't given yet, there's an easy way to do that. And please know that when we talk about giving, we believe that together we're able to do Amen. more kingdom work together. And so, and we've kind of proven that you. over and over again. Absolutely. And from from all of our team, could I just say to you, thank you. You're just the most wonderful people, and we are blessed. I leaned over to Bobby while we were singing. I said, "Can you believe God lets us do this? Mm. I mean, what a what an awesome place. I just love our church, and I love y'all, and I'm so grateful for you. Thank you. Thank you." Thank you so much. But today, we're going to talk about a little something. Yeah. So and last week, that. we started by saying in the month of August, there's a handful of messages we believe God really right. has for our people for this season, for this time, yep. for this moment in history. And we, last week, we talked about time. Yeah. Time being something we should treasure, time being something we should invest, time being something we should manage, and time that God built for us, something we should enjoy. Yeah. And hopefully that was beneficial to you over the week. If not, I would encourage you to go back and listen to last week or watch last week's service on our website at sugarhill.church and find out more about that. But today, we want to talk about intention. Now, this is kind of a buzzword around the world today, being intentionally you know, focused, being intentionally present, being intentionally invested. But today, we want to talk about how we, how we make God 
the intention behind the foundation that Rhonda was talking about. How do we create a foundation that not just in children's lives, but in parents' lives and single adults' lives and in, in, uh, in, you know, in couples' lives, in marriages, in, in empty nest lives? Because honestly, with all of those different categories and more, just know the church, this church loves you. And we want to invest in you so you can experience the beauty and the joy of building a foundation that is God-centric in such a way that from the rising of the sun to the setting of the same, you can have this foundation that won't crumble, won't shake, and it will rock your world in such a way that you know you can stand firm on truth. And so to do that today, we want to talk about what intention is like. Yeah. One of the things we love in Scripture is all the way back in the book of Deuteronomy, Moses is speaking to the people. Uh, if you don't realize it, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, the first five books of the Bible were written down by Moses himself. Right. And Moses had been an incredible leader. Moses had firsthand seen God answer amazing prayers, being delivered from Egypt, God parting the Red Sea, all of these, all the plagues that God sent. Moses saw all of that amazing stuff, and that first generation saw that as well. Right. But Moses came to a point where he realized, I'm about to pass along the mantle of leadership. I can't, I'm not going to be around forever. And so one of the things that Moses did in Deuteronomy is he called everybody together from all walks of life, from all ages, from, from all different families. And what he did was basically said to them, here's the history of what God has done. He wanted them right. to know the history. And then he began to ramp up his intensity to say, here's what God wants for you and for the next generation. And one of the things we talk about a lot around here is we love our church. We really do. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Chuck was gracious when he said when we were singing. Chuck was singing. I was like, you know, out of tune, wishing there was auto tune built I wish y'all knew how bad he sings. Yeah. It is so it bad is. that really I sing louder just to overcome it. There's been an occasion where my mic was accidentally on. So yeah. I, I'm you a little know when the, about You know that. when the Bible says, you know, a joyful noise? Yeah. I feel judged right now. You should. All right. Good. <laughs> But we talk about the love we have at our church. We love senior adults. We yep. love empty nesters. Yep. We love young families. Yep. We love single adults. We love people that are single again. We love people that have kiddos. We love right. people that don't have kiddos. We love our elementary kids, our middle schoolers, our high schoolers. We absolutely love our church. And what we want to say today is as we elevate the next generation for a minute, this message isn't just for people that have kids of their own. That's right. I believe it's for empty nesters. I believe it's for people like me and Laura that are the honorary uncles and aunts in people's lives. We believe it's for people that are single. We think this word, yes, is for families, but it's for every single one of us because there's two things Rhonda said. One is that it takes a village, yep. and also, two, we want to link arms with families. Yeah, because in this covenant relationship, it's important to remember that when God created the heavens and the earth and God created man and woman, one of the things he did is he instituted two things. Yeah. He put in the institution, we didn't create it, God did, the family, yep. and God instituted and created the church. Yep. So on, you know, on the rock, Jesus built his church. Yeah. The intention in both those creations is that we are to be in covenant relationship one with another, yep. link arms together and partner yep. so that we can make sure that we have this foundation built not only in our personal lives, but in our present family and extended family. Like Jenny and I are now grandparents. We're empty nesters. Mm -hmm. and, uh, but yet we still parent. If you're parenting adult children, you know you're parenting in the most challenging stage of life as part of it, right? Mm -hmm. But having grandparents kind of makes up for it. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. But having grandchildren is just kind of of a cool deal, right? But in the middle of all that, there's still so much to learn. Yeah. You know, the world says that for our children, that uh, they have have a definition of success. Yeah. I mean, if you just Google anything, like what is success in raising children, you come up with these kind of phrases like, well, we want to raise well-rounded, well-educated, happy kids, which sounds great. Right, but let's face it. When when we go to hire people, we don't look for well-rounded people. We look for people who know what they're doing. Yeah. Like when we in our world, when we can get an education, but the question is, do we have character? Mm-hmm. Do we have Christ-like character? Mm-hmm. And then when you think about it beyond that, what about happy? Well, here's what I've learned: that in Christ, we can have something that creates something deeper and eternal, that is even greater than happiness. And that is this concept that in Christ, we can raise our children to be at peace, at peace with the Lord, at peace with those around them, and at peace with themselves. And this is the foundational part of walking with God, because what is better than happy? Peace. I have discovered that I don't need external forces to make me happy when I am at peace peace. But peace is something that Jesus came to give and to give freely, but we have to receive it and we, we have to open up our windows and our doors of our heart to receive this peace that Jesus longs to give us. This biblical success then changed what the world would say, Bobby, for individuals yep. and for families, for parents in particular, that we're called to unleash single-minded, Christ-centered, biblically anchored world changers. Folks that really, like when we pray over these kids, we want these kids to to walk out of here and go to school tomorrow and and be so grounded in Christ that the world doesn't sway them. That when our our high schoolers leave, they, they, they are so grounded in Christ that the world doesn't sway them. That they're able to build their own conviction and their own bedrock founded and grounded in Christ to the degree that they have something to make wise decisions with. But we can only do that if that's something we're living in and can model. Like Rhonda said, it's one thing that we pray over them. It's another that we teach them. It's another thing that we model that. And that's why when Bobby says it's for everybody in the room and everybody watching online, it is because these truths are true to us individually and in in a family. Absolutely. perspective. And so the first one, I think, is, is a big deal. But would you take a look at the screens, or maybe you have a, an app on your phone, or you've got a Bible with you, to Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning in verse 4. And, uh, you know, the, when Bobby said Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, these five books, they're known as the Mosaic Law. And when you were a little boy in Jewish times in the first century, you would learn. You would go to school, and that's what you learned. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. You had to memorize it forward and backward, backward and forward. And if you had any hope of being a rabbi, you got chosen by how well you did on memorizing that. Now, if you were a little girl in that time, you didn't even get to go to school. Right? Now, think of how far we've come because today, some of America's greatest Bible teachers are women. And some, some of America's greatest preachers, honestly, are female. And so one of the things we're learning now is, is that how humankind has changed from that first century Jewish perspective to where now it is everybody that can be directly guided by the Spirit of God and be directly spoken to because we don't need an intermediary. We can go directly to God because of our relationship in Christ. So Moses says, listen, O Israel. I love how Bobby was talking about He's He's talking to the nation, Mm -hmm. but he brings this urgency to it. Hey, listen up. This is a big deal. 
the Lord our God, the Lord alone. I mean, he's, he's given this foundational perspective that God has brought us this far. These are people that saw the Red Sea parted. These are people that saw manna on the ground. These are the people that saw honey from the rock. Yeah. These are people that had witnessed the hand of God. But he's still having to rally the troops saying, listen up. The Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you, speaking to them individually and corporately, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. In other words, every piece of you. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders and write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. This is such a powerful teaching that it transcends time. Obviously, Moses is talking to that original generation, but he's talking to all of us. So the question is, how do we do this, right? How do we shift the definition of success How do we become intentional? How do we make sure that our faith doesn't stop with us, but that we pass it along to the next generation? Because if we don't intentionally pass faith along, we're one generation away. But it does take that, right? I mean, it's not, very few of us, our faith just kind of rolls out. There has to be an intentionality that says, Lord, would you give me the wisdom and strength to know how to do that? Yep, totally. And so sometimes it's like, well, that sounds good in the sermon, but how do I do it in real life? In the sermon, it's like, you know, Chuck gets me riled up. I'm ready. Like, let's go change the world. And then I have tacos for lunch, and an hour later, I just want to nap, right? Have you all been there before? You're like, I'm ready. And then, so we just want to give you three sort of principles that we believe comes right out of Deuteronomy 6. And the first one, if you're trying to figure out how, what is our role in passing spiritual faith on to the next generation, the first thing that we'd recommend that you consider is, number one, enlist supporting voices. Absolutely. Enlist supporting voices. And here's the way that we often think about it. If you're a parent, your voice will always be the most important voice in the life of your child. Mm-hmm. Or if you're a parent, your voice will always be the most important voice in the life of your child. But hear me, it should not be the only voice in the life of your child. That's right. In other words, when Moses is speaking, he says, Hear, O Israel, there's thousands of people that are there. But as he's addressing families, their families were like 70 or 80 people. Yeah. I mean, it's like the Allen the household deal. when you have everybody Yeah, when they're over, all right? the house, that's what it feels like. It's, yeah. it's the immediate, it's the, the next generations, right? And so it's this reminder that we need other voices that say the same thing that we say, yep. they might say it in a little different way, but how many of you have ever experienced that where your kiddo latched on when somebody else said it? They come home from youth camp or they come home from church, they come home from a small group, you're like, you'll never believe what I heard Pastor Rhonda say, and they say it, and you're like, I've been trying to tell you that for like five okay, that Okay, that happens all the time. Yep. But that, if you think about it, rather than letting that bother you, think of it this way. How awesome is it that your kid got supported in what you were trying to say? Mm. How awesome is it that somebody else was supporting coming along beside you and behind you and around you to be able to make that point? Because when we allow others to speak into the lives of our children, people who are rock solid in their faith, yeah. we're allowing our children to discover their own conviction. 
We're allowing our children to be able to be rock solid in their own faith. Because remember, our goal isn't to protect them and keep them in just in a Christian bubble, but prepare them to live for Christ out in a real world. So like my grandpa, my pop was the greatest voice in my life. Like my my pop, one of his favorite things, he called me boy. And one of his favorite things was he'd say, boy, remember every good thing comes from heaven. Mm. Everything, everything good comes from above. We, we'd catch fish on the St. John's River, and he's, boy, remember, every good thing comes from heaven. It's like, I got it, Pop. You know, you see the, the sun come around the uh, clouds, and you see those streams of light, and you say, boy, you know, that right there, that's the glory of the Lord. And, I, you know, to this day, I remember that. And I remember my Pop investing in me, and it was just, it was just so incredible, the voice he had Absolutely. in my life. And so, like, uh, because of that, Early on, when, when our girls were little, we would teach them and we would recite Psalm 121 on the way to school. Mm-hmm. And now my 33-year-old, our oldest daughter, I mean, she tells me and Jen about how she's taking her kids to school doing Psalm 121, talking about the glory of the Lord. And I look at all this and I think to myself, this is what it is like from the rising of the sun to the setting of the same that we truly invest and our children. Yeah, and I love that. So when you think about it, so I, I'm so grateful. We've got wonderful educators. So we've got teachers that can be supporting voices. We've got amazing coaches in our community, coaches that can be supporting voices. But as you heard Pastor Rhonda talking about here at the church, as we think about linking arms and partnering together, man, every single Sunday, we've got hundreds of small group leaders that yeah. aren't trying to uh, compete with the home. They're trying to partner with the home. And that's, that's right. why we think... Really, as you think about that idea of intention, that, that church shouldn't just be an add-on to our life, but it should be a way that we enter into what the church has been doing That's since right. the beginning of time, partnering together. So you've got small group leaders, you've got pastors, you've got volunteer leaders that are support your voice, the most important, but it shouldn't be the only one. I feel like in the, in the story of almost every follower of Jesus, there's somebody that spoke into your life that had a significant impact. Totally. And helped you find your way with Christ. Totally. And, but, but here's what I would say, and I mean this. If, like, I'm 62. I'm still looking for people who have that voice in my life. You're barely 62. Ba- yeah. You're so about to be 63. Yeah, thank you. And um, <laughs> in case you forgot. You know, it's rare when I'm without words. That is true. But it's true. But it's true. Thank you. Would you turn his mic off for me? Uh, so, I, so one of the things that I, I think is important is if you're here today and you're an empty nester or you're a grandparent, all I'd say to you is never stop allowing God to find a partner to speak truth into your life. Absolutely. I mean, one of the things Bobby and I get to enjoy as we serve together is we're 20 years between us. But what's cool about that is how much God-centric conversation we have apart from the church. And I, I would just encourage you, be that. Yeah. Be that voice, be that. especially with your kids. Now, could I just stop? I want to insert something here, and we're going to get to keep it simple in a minute. But I want to throw this in there because some of you are thinking, Chuck, I've tried this whole family altar thing together. It's just not working for me. So I had this guy. I was on, I was on the staff of a big church in the south part of the county. And this, we had this guy that came in that did this family conference. And he was like so, I mean, he was like, you remember how Joe Sangle is all, you know, weirded get out, up. get fired up about money. This guy was about that, about family altar. So we had this guy who was a relatively new believer, and he, he took it literally. He literally went to a, uh, to a wedding bridal place and bought one of those kneeling altars 
and put it in his home, and he called it their family altar. So he came to me some weeks back, and he said, Pastor Chuck, I, it's not working. I said, what are you talking about? He said, I was trying to get my kids kneeling these altars. I, I, it didn't work. I said, okay, let's start from scratch, you know? And I started telling him, it's not about having these gathering. It's about from the rising of the sun to the setting of the same, speaking God-centric talk into your life, into your spouse, into your friends, and especially into your children, yeah. so that they can begin to see that all good things come from above yeah. and that God, our Heavenly Father, will indeed provide for them because he loves them. Yeah. And you can just speak that over and over again. And I'll promise you that's better than any devotion you'll ever buy for your kids. I love that. Yeah. I love that. So it's, it really is about intention. It's not perfection. Am I doing it exactly right? It's the intention. So it starts with number one, we'd say enlist supporting voices. And yeah. again, if you don't have kids of your own, you could be those voices. We that's all right. have a part in this, right? Number two, we would say raise the expectation. Absolutely. And that's really what stood out to me when you're talking about the two different definitions of success yeah. is sometimes we think, well, I just hope we'll get by, right? I just hope right. my kiddos will do okay. But what we found in years for you, parenting, grandparenting, for me in student ministry and next generation work for over yeah. 20 plus years, what we found is that more often than not, kids and students raise to the level of expectation. Absolutely. And so if you raise the standard, and so listen to how Moses talks about this. He says, with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, as the New Testament would translate it as well. He's, he's saying, look, it's, it's about loving God with everything you have. And so this is the first time, I think, in all of Scripture that the idea of worshiping God and love are connected. That's right. This idea of relationship, that God didn't create us to be robots. God didn't create us just to go through the motions. God created us to have a real and personal relationship with him that's to be built on that's the right. foundation of love. Moses is saying, look, all those other rules and codes and regulations, they're one thing, but to raise the bar, to make the centerpiece right. of this next generation is loving God with everything you have. Yeah, you said something that's really, really critical in this text. It is where we connect. Uh, I love God, but I love him at a, at a deeply personal, intimate way. It is not I love God so that I just check the box off and do good stuff. Or it's, not, it's not like, okay, I, I do this so I don't act a certain way. It's that I love him, and out of that love that I give and receive it changes my nature. It is not about the rules that I keep. Mm. So if you're here today and you say, well, you know, religion's not for me, Chuck. I've tried it. I stopped doing this. I stopped doing that. I would say to you, okay, would you stop worrying about the rules and let your heart be guided by Christ himself and let Christ give you this direction? Mm -hmm. Because in this, this, this is part of what I absolutely love. In Exodus 20, God explains this beautiful commandment about loving him and he says in verse 6 in, in chapter 20, God says he will show his love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Now, most of us heard that phrase this way. If you love me, you wouldn't be such a knucklehead and you'd follow the rules, right? But that's not how Jesus said it. I want you to hear how Jesus said it in the original language. It will be so much easier to follow the rules if you just love me. And you know what I've, I've found is if we can pour into each other 
and we can get ourselves grounded and our children grounded in the fact that this is about loving God, not about checking a box, then I have this relational foundation that never seems to leave me. Not only does Moses clearly connect the idea of obeying God's commandments to the issue of love, but he takes it to a whole deeper level. He makes Jesus the cornerstone of what it's all about, which is why Jesus pulls this text out and teaches it as a commandment in our life. Yeah, and so as you think about this idea of raising the expectation, our hope is that instead of just rules or regulations or codes, that we would make a really big deal about every single kid, every single right. student, every single adult to come to know God and to love him. Yeah. Right? That's the expectation. Not just to get by, not just a, well, I attended or, man, all of those play pieces and parts of a relationship, right. but this foundation of love. So number one, enlist supporting voices, right? right? People that will say the same thing and support what you're doing. Number two, for us to begin to say, I'm going to raise the expectation. I want to, I want to, if the goal is for every child to love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, I'm going to make some decisions around how to help that happen. And then the last tip today, as you think about how do we imp implement this, is just simply to keep it real. Absolutely. To keep it real. Um, what I found, and so I'm, I'm sort of the rule follower of the two of us up here, and so I know that may shock you. Um, I like things nice and neat and orderly, and if there's a right way to do it, I want to make sure I know the right way to do it, and I want to do it right the first time. And so what, is, what are you saying about me? That's a different sermon. <laughs> <laughs> there's never been a rule out there I didn't think you probably ought to break yeah. one time. Well, and what, what I love about this and what I love about our partnership in ministry is sometimes, some of you are like me, and if you're not careful, you'll get paralyzed. You're like, well, if I can't do it right, then I'm not going to get started at all. If I can't have the prayer altar, da, 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 right? And you never get started. And what I love is that the idea, again, is not perfection, it's practice. Right. It's the idea right. of consistency or intention. And so when Moses is saying all these things, he says, repeat them again and again. In other words, don't let your kids forget our history. Don't forget where we've come from. Don't forget who our God is. Yeah. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, when you're getting up, what he's literally doing is he's taking normal activities that every single person in their day did and every That's single right. person today does, and he's saying, just redeem those moments. Yeah. And so what I love is, man, if you had a meltdown with your kid today, the good news is tomorrow's coming. You have a brand new start. Absolutely. If, if, if today your kid's giving you the cold shoulder, it might be in the car ride tomorrow on the road that they just drop their guard. Maybe it's maybe the most spiritual thing you could do is to take them to Dairy Queen tomorrow after school and get them a dilly bar. I mean, can I get an amen on that? I mean, um, because you know, what Moses is describing is what any of us can do is to take the normal rhythm of the day. Maybe yeah. it's dinner together at night. Yeah. Maybe it's tucking them in the bed. Not perfection, but practicing and using those moments as ways to, to pass on to the next generation. Yeah, because one of the things Moses says, like in verses 7, 8, and 9, is he gives descriptions. He says, talk about them when you're at home, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, when you're getting up. All he's saying is, remember the things of God. He's not saying you've got to be a Bible scholar. You don't have to be a theologian. 
I mean, it's just, it's a simple. Over the years, I've learned to say things as simple as this. Like now, you know, you give me a good pan of lasagna that's got a little extra ricotta in it, and you know the mozzarella that when you pull it, it strings off the plate, and you got to wrap it around, and then you get some butter that's got some garlic, and I mean, I mean, just bless the Lord, right? Well, you give me that, and you know what? It doesn't take me long to be able to say to somebody, you know, can you not thank the Lord for that? I mean, come on. I mean, like, really, you get you a plate of fried shrimp and the right kind of pink sauce to dip it in. You know, it's like, Lord, thank you for that. I mean, are you with me? Every now and then, it, how hard is it to just point to the good things of God, right? How hard is it to get to the beach and say, kids, how cool is it God made that for us? This is not difficult. But he goes on and says, tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead. Practicing Jews today still wrap these leather bands around their arms and wear these black boxes on their head as a reminder of this text because they don't believe the Messiah has come yet. So as a result, they follow the Mosaic law today, forgetting that Jesus has already come to fulfill that law. And yet you got to admire and love how they have done all this to remember to do that. When you see a Jewish family kiss their fingers and touch that little bar on, the, on, their, uh, on their doorpost but when they come into the house, they're doing that to remember this, write them on the doorpost of your house and your gates. I remember this Mosaic law and that I'm to love God with all my heart and my, and my soul and my strength. And so when I look at all of this, I am reminded that it's not hard. Don't make it hard. Don't, don't think you have to be a seminary professor. You just got to be a mom and a dad, a mom or a dad that can speak God talk from the rising of the sun to the setting of the same. And don't make it complicated. If you're a single adult, it's, it is thank God for the good things in life. And be open and honest that everything you have that's good has come from above. And so I would, I would just say to all of us as we wrap up today that I think it's really critical that we remember that Jesus came to give us life in abundance and life eternal. Mm. He came to do that, that we didn't have to live in that Mosaic law, but we could remember it. That we could teach it, but we didn't have to live there. We don't, wrap, we don't have to wrap bands around and put black boxes on our head and kiss that doorpost, although there's nothing wrong with that. But it's not necessary because the blood of Christ was shed to the forgiveness of all of our sin, and he was buried and rose again to complete the law and be fulfilled in him as our last and final sacrifice. And in that, we can claim Christ as our Savior and Lord and say, I can do this in his power because, honestly, apart from him, none of us can and so today, the most important thing isn't about how you change your activity, but how you allow God to change your heart, that you might allow Jesus, the Savior of the world, his own son. I mean, God looked at you and me and saw how imperfect we are. And when we recognize how perfect he is, we recognize our need for him. Yeah. So he made a way through Jesus, his son, that Jesus would pay the price for all of for all of our wrong, all of our selfishness, all, all of our bad decisions. The Bible calls it sin. He, he, he paid for all that. And he says when you call on his name, that he, he'll forgive all that. And he'll give us the ability to do exactly what we're talking today in his power, not ours. So if you've been able to do this successfully, it's because all good things come from heaven. And if you're struggling with this, maybe the question is, do I have this foundation that Rhonda's talking about in my life? 
Do I have the presence of Jesus in my life? Can I, can I build off of something that's not there, or can I strengthen something that isn't? You may be here today and say, but Chuck, I, I gave my life to Christ. I know I'm a Christian, but I'm just failing miserably in this. Well, let me just stop and say, welcome to the crowd. Me too, right? I mean, we are imperfect people living in a fallen world. We're going to mess this thing up. But here's the good news. In a minute, you get a fresh start found in Christ. Every Sunday, you get a fresh start every week. Tomorrow morning at midnight, you get a fresh day to start all over again. You get 86,400 seconds tomorrow to do it right. Mm. And all I would say to you is in Christ, man, link up with him. Link up with him and then let him do the hard work. And let you enjoy the benefit of all that he's done, all that he's doing, and all that he's yet to do in you, through you, and for you so that you can experience this fullness and this love. And maybe today you'd say, Jesus, that's what I need. I need need to build my foundation. I need to start there. Or maybe I need to recommit there. Or maybe I need to fix it. Maybe maybe I'm not sure, but I want to be sure. I don't want you to bow your heads. I don't want you to close your eyes. I want you to look right at me. Jesus said, if you call on my name, if you call on the name of the Lord, I will hear you, I will answer you, and I will save you. He didn't say if you join a church, if you walk an aisle, if you get baptized, he didn't say any of that. He said, you got to trust me. That's where you start. Step number one, I'm going to trust Jesus. You say, but Chuck, I don't even know how to do that. I didn't either until I did. I didn't either until I did. I didn't have a clue. I just knew that God was pulling on my heart. And right now he's pulling on some of your hearts at home and in this room and saying, I need to get my life right. If I got any hope, I got to get my life right. And here's the answer. Jesus, I'm calling on your name. And Jesus' answer, I hear your call, and I'm going to answer. Chuck, I don't even know what I'm calling. You know what you're really calling? Jesus, would you forgive me? Would you come live inside me? Would you clean me up, make me new? I don't want to live for me anymore. I want to live for you. And Jesus, would you, would you be my Savior, my Lord? You say, Chuck, that's what I want. I don't know what all it means yet, but that's what I want. If that's the desire of your life right now, just raise your hand. Yeah, I know everybody's looking. It doesn't matter, right? Just, just raise it high. Come on. Yeah, there you go, there you go, there you go, there you go. Come on, raise it high, there you go. Yeah, all over the place, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, come on, does it get any better than that? I mean, does it get any better than that? That Jesus would say, I count you in on my stuff. Come link arms with me. We're going to do this. Now, here's what I want to ask you to do. If today you said, that's me, at the end of the service, I just want you to come see me or Bobby down front. All we're going to ask you for is your name and your cell phone number. You'll get a text starting tomorrow to tell you exactly what to do every day of how to begin walking with Jesus. It's that simple. And you say, well, Chuck, I don't want you bugging me. I'm not going to bug you. It's, you. it's not me that sends you a text. It's a, something. I don't know. What, I don't, what do you call it? The interwebs. Yeah, whatever, that, whatever those things are, they, they do all that, right? But how cool is that that tomorrow somebody can tell you in your text, this is how to begin your journey, walking with Jesus. Yeah. And don't miss that. I'm so grateful for you. Thank you for being a church that loves the Lord. Thank you for those of you that said, I want Jesus today. And thank you that, man, we saw people saved and baptized. And I just just love that. Let's pray. Lord, we love you and we praise you. We thank you in this day because of your goodness and your grace. God, go before us and make a way. Go within us and give us peace. And when things are difficult, carry us through the middle of it. Because, Lord, we're grateful that you love us. In spite of us, you love us. In Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen. Amen. Before you head out, I want to stop for a moment and for this church to celebrate another 
milestone moment in the life of our church. I don't know if you realize it or not, but this is the exact day. This doesn't often happen when it comes to anniversary, but this is the exact day that God picked up and brought Pastor Chuck Allen and his sweet, sweet wife, Jenny Allen, to our church to make him pastor of our church 11 years ago today. Miss Jenny, if you don't mind, would you come and join your honey? How about that? How about that? Yeah. That's my baby right there. We, uh, we yeah. joke a lot about me being the rule follower and Chuck being the rule breaker. But man, it is so amazing how God has given us an amazing visionary leader. A leader that when the world says something can't be done, Chuck's like, with God's grace, we're going to do it. And to have Miss Jenny, obviously the better half, who is kind and, and uh, so wise and in her way as well, uh, helps people connect with the heart of God, both here at the church, but also in Norcross where they live. And so on behalf of our entire team and on behalf of our church, we love you guys. Would you say thank you for 11 amazing years? Thanks, man. All right, stop. Stop it. Stop it. No, really, stop it. If you keep doing this, you're going to blame me for being late. I know, you're going to get to the restaurant and say, if he hadn't gone so late, I wouldn't have been there. Then you're just, so, but I thank you. Yeah. Uh, y'all, I love y'all. I can't believe I get to work with the greatest people on the planet, and I get to pastor the greatest church on the world. And y'all are just, I really do. I love this place. Mm. Yeah, thank you, bro. <laughs> I, uh, I really am just so grateful for y'all. I really am. Thank you, thank you, thank you. From me and Jen, um, man, it's, I can't believe it's been 11 years. 11 years. I know it. Thank you. And, um, and amazing things have happened over those 11 years. Yeah, we've seen God do some pretty cool stuff. We can't and, wait for uh, the next 11. All good things come from above. And I'm so grateful the Lord is kind enough to let me be here because I don't deserve it. And, uh, but I am really so grateful. And I thank y'all. Uh, I can't believe y'all put up with me. I wouldn't. And, uh, but thank y'all so much. I love our church. Listen, let's get out of here and go eat. Let's pray for this dear couple that's so important. It takes a tribe, but it takes leaders in the, in the tribe. And so if you don't mind, as we pray together, would you bow your heads for a moment? We'll just, for anybody that's comfortable, we'll extend a hand towards uh, Chuck and Jenny just as a way of agreeing and praying over them. But Heavenly Father, we thank you. For your goodness to this dear church and to each of our lives for picking up Chuck and Jenny and gifting them to us. Lord, I know that these 11 years in many ways have been amazing, but I also know there have been plenty of battles in between. And so whether on top of the mountain or in the valley, thank you that Chuck and Jenny have sought you and sought your heart and sought your direction. Thank you for picking them up when they needed it. Thank you for carrying them through things when, when nobody else even saw it. Thank you for giving them your heart for this church and for your people. Lord, we pray your richest blessing on them for many years to come of their impact. We pray that their, their, their impact would be seen and felt not only here, but throughout the kingdom. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. amen. We love you guys. God bless you all. Go in peace. Thank you. Thank y'all.